0: All right folks a quick message before we get started from our sponsors react health react Fel- health formerly 3b medical a leading provider of sleep sleep diagnostic and respiratory products now back to the show all right gents hello for the pre-show calibrations what do we got on the dock today
1: no we've got a uh katherine hanson joining us uh, she is an icon, a trailblazer in sleep technology and sleep medicine. There are so many people that I know that can trace either a mentorship or their, their experience as managers and sleep techs to her influence. She is just a tremendous professional. Uh, she doesn't quit. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about her, I hope, as we go into this call today. But I think we could have multiple podcasts with her because there's just so much depth to her. I'm excited to hear what she has to share.
0: You know, before we actually hit record, you were saying that because our, normally our show is around 20 minutes, um, that we could just fill up 20 minutes just talking about the beginning of her career, huh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to hear, you know, I, I think a little bit about that. But if you get her cornered and you start talking about her, her career, it's, it is absolutely amazing the things that she's lived through are extraordinary. I think at some point we'll have to have her back and just talk about that journey because I think it's instructive at every level of, of how you just simply never quit and keep your eye on the future. Robert,
2: yep.
0: what are you thinking?
2: Hey, I, you know, I, I think the, the the interesting thing is that a lot of the, the, the articles and publications that you, you know, have read, you know, in sort of your, um, you just your own learning experience about sleep medicine involves, you know, things that Catherine has has published and 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 brought to sleep medicine. So, you know, this is this is going to be interesting because you know this is someone who, you know, laid the foundation for you know a lot of the things that that we know about sleep medicine today. So it's it's pretty exciting, and um, you know, I'm uh, I know that she said that you know a twenty minute podcast was not as exciting as jumping out of an airplane, but We'll we'll see.
0: All right. We'll take a look then. All right, guys. um, uh, We're done with the cows. Let's get ready for the show. Okay. Just a few seconds for a word from our friends and sponsors, React Health, formerly 3B Medical, a leading provider of sleep, sleep diagnostic, and respiratory products. Their Luna G3 family of pap devices are FDA approved and offer cellular modem standard in CPAP, AutoPAP, BiLevel, and BiLevel ST modes to treat all kinds and a full range of sleep-disordered breathing. The magnet-free line of PAP devices or PAP masks include Siesta Full Face, Siesta Nasal, and the Rio Two Nasal Pillows mask, all of which have less than one percent refit rate. And uh, for more information, go to reacthealth.com or contact your local React sales representative. Now back to the show. Lights out. Welcome everyone once again for another episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast with your hosts and friends and fellow sleep techs, Emerson Kerr, Robert Miller, and me, Dr. Gerald George Moneykorod. And once again, it is absolutely fantastic to see y'all. Do not forget if you are watching on YouTube to smash that like button if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, don't forget to hit the like or the star or whatever the rating is. And if you can, we'd really appreciate a comment or two as well. It helps the algorithm, helps other sleep techs find us. And talking about other sleep techs, do not forget to share it with your friends. And before I keep on yammering over here, let me toss it off to Emerson to tell us a little bit about what's going on today.
1: Emerson. Hey, hey Jerry. Thank you so much. I am really excited about our guest today. She has been a dear friend for quite some time. Uh, I do apologize if the background noise is a little excessive today. I am in the Louisville airport. I'm headed over to the Kentucky Sleep Society meeting, which Catherine uh, basically took care of for quite some time and has released it to our good friend, Jeremy, who is going to, is taking the helm um, of, of the Kentucky Sleep Society. So, Looking forward to a great meeting this weekend here in Louisville. But, uh, you know, Catherine, if I was going to begin to talk about her history, we could take the entire 20 minutes talking about her journey in sleep. She is a pioneer. She has mentored a lot of men and women in sleep medicine, sleep technology. And we are extremely fortunate to, to have her here today. Um, She is also the executive director of the Behavioral Sleep Medicine Society. She works in dental sleep medicine as well, supporting um, one of those societies. I'll let her expound on that for us. But um, today, Catherine, we're so happy to have you with us. Uh, One of the things we love to ask everyone is how they got into sleep. And part of it is instructive because we want people to learn that it's a journey. Um, But tell us. Just in a few minutes, how (laughs) amazing! Field.
3: Oh, it's been a fascinating journey. Thank you all for the opportunity to share. As a little girl, I was also often fascinated with the brain, and I would sit and ponder, what What does the brain do? And I happened to notice that those individuals who were grumpy didn't seem to fare well, and they didn't seem to be healthy. So at an early age, I thought there has to be a relationship between the brain and dysfunction. And I had a religion teacher who taught me the word disease is actually without ease. And that just resonated with me. So when I was graduated from high school and I didn't really have any money to go to college, I thought I've got to find a place where I can learn and earn. And so those were the days before computers. You didn't have uh, internet. And so I took myself to Mail Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I, I met a, a kind gentleman. And I just shared with him, this is what I want to do. And I want to make it my career. And he looked at me and says, I've got just the program for you. Learn and earn. And so I was recruited into the neurodiagnostic program, and that was the beginning of my interest in what is this thing called waveforms, and so I was doing a a long-term monitoring on a seizure patient, and all of a sudden, there was a provocative epileptic uh, um, event, and I I just turned to my attending, and I said, this came out of nowhere. It must have come from sleep. Little did I know that that was really the, the next transition. Then it was almost like I was, I was the universe was talking to me. And from that, we morphed into doing research on sleep. At that time, there was nothing in, on, about sleep. However, we used spectral analyses to evaluate our waveforms. Now this was in 66, 67, and 68, and we also did what you call AI today, but we called signal averaging, and from that we were able to differentiate different levels of quiet time at night, which we now call sleep. And so, more fast forward, uh, the fellow, one of the fellows in the department, recruited me to moved to Colorado with him and his family, I started his office practice, uh, advanced that to adding about 10 practitioners, then I said, I'm done. Uh, Little did I know that University of Colorado had a research protocol. They recruited me to do the protocol through the School of Pharmacy. The protocol was correlating cardiac arrhythmias in REM speed sleep. And we did it right in the critical care unit. These fresh MIs were admitted directly through ER into our unit, and I would monitor them all night. And that was the seminal study that correlated and used today to identify the risk during REM with cardiac arrhythmias. Shortly after that, I, I did a few other research projects with them, had a lot of other good critical care experience, including open heart massage on, on the patient that went bad in, in the unit. However, I quickly then realized I wanted to get back to teaching and working with patients. So I moved to Kentucky and started in 1979. The neurodiagnostic unit, and within months, the sleep center. And we recruited a multidisciplinary team. We had a unique opportunity to create it the way we wanted. It was a multidisciplinary. In addition, we had case conferences every Tuesday, eight o'clock. if we went through case conferences from the patients done the week before. And our team around the table, DME, we added dental sleep, we added pediatrics. Very soon, one of our cardiologists was the second board-certified cardiologist, and she also had specialty in sleep medicine. We added uh, surgeons, and we added uh, a number of primary care providers along with electrophysiology. About a couple years later, after I was then recruited to manage as well the Pain Management Center, we saw a relationship between sedation and risk. And we started an inpatient sedation management program. All of the patients were getting PCA delivered analgesia and we had upwards of 25 monitors on these patients. I reached out to one of our instrument companies and I said, I'd like to have strip charts. I'd like to have apnea monitors. I had 17 apnea monitors going on these patients throughout the house. We were 480 beds at that time. Then it was quickly realized that I had to be a part of a care team if we were going to advance this any further. Reached out to nursing, anesthesia, and surgeons, and they said, yes, we need it. Not because I was brilliant, but because the patients showed evidence. Then we built our first uh, preoperative screening program, included surgeons, but I also included pharmacy and the nursing director and risk manager. And that was the beginning of where I was able to capture a number of dollars. And when I departed after 31 years with them, we had capnography bedside in every nursing bed. And that was really because we the rapid response team showed us that we had a huge risk and there was a solution for it. So that was when I said, I think I've had enough of this. And I went out on my own as a consultant and quickly found that I was busy and something called retirement was elusive. (laughs) So I've had clients that I work with to create and develop sleep monitoring programs. I really felt like I would surround myself with thought leaders the whole time. And then I saw there were some gaps in education and that's when I became interested in pushing education for sleep medicine. But I also saw the behavioral side and I wanted to integrate the behavioral sleep medicine, saw the dental side because of our Dentist Association Integrated that, and I do feel that the CCSH, because we had navigators in the hospital in this in the 80s, I felt like it was time to push that education. So here I am today with a passion for. I love to teach. I love to find the gaps in in a process, and I like to work. And, and let me
1: ask you this, Catherine, that's, you know, a couple of things you touched on that I definitely want us to expand on today is you were a pioneer in collaborative care. And, you know, now today, that's, that's, that's a buzzword. <laughs> but you, you were, you and the, the folks in Lexington really kind of pioneered that concept. And I know I want us to talk about the behavioral and dental side. But before we do, can you give us a sense of what collaborative care means to you and what it could mean for our peers in sleep technology?
3: Well, first of all, there has to be a person who wants to bring the group together and it has to be a thought leader that includes others. In other words, surround yourself with people who are smarter than you because they really do bring to the table the gift of of opportunity. It also includes anyone who touches that patient any key stakeholder. So collaborative care is not just the attending. It's not just us. It's also the nursing staff, if you're in the hospital. And it's the social workers. It's the pharmacist. It's the rapid response team leader. It's the risk manager. It's the director of nursing. Anesthesia must be a part of it. It's all of them because they do address it. I even had an association on an outpatient basis with the navigators, and we did a fair amount of pain management with oncology pain. Those navigators who went into the home were part of the team. So the case conference includes anyone who could impact that care, and psychology was at the table. We had had psychologists on staff from the middle 90s and they really did help with uh, compliance with therapy. So it's anyone, but the center has to be somebody who can see the vision, and they have to be the one who pulls the team together and keeps it going. Collaborative care is much more extensive than what we think of today. It is a widespread continuum including the patient and a patient's family member. We had patients as part of that.
0: Catherine, what would you consider as the components of collaborative care? You know, what pieces? You said like the uh, behavioral psychologist would be one, but what would be the
3: other pieces? Well, you do need the patient. You need a patient family member. You need an attending, if any, and definitely if they're on respiratory or CPAP devices, you need DME. Uh, he also needs the the um the end of it, the family member needs to see who is a key stakeholder in helping them to be successful. One of the things we quickly learned is you can give you can give and have a discussion with the patient that's sleepy, but they don't retain it. That's why you need a significant other there to help with hearing what needs to be done. The other important part is we included our social workers because so many of times there were access issues and that was essential. We come from a less than affluent referral base and many people had to travel So that was when social worker and those outreach coordinators with the rural health clinics were really essential because much of the care was followed up in rural health clinics. And we connected in 1992, we connected with our interface called virtual medicine. And it's what you call telehealth today. So we did a lot of our work through the telehealth system at that time. And so those are the main key factors and the key stakeholders. A family- Catherine,
2: one one question for you. The the, the change that occurred in sleep medicine just a few years back um, related to the sort of the injection of sleep benefit management companies sort of changed the collaborative type of care that you can provide, I think. How how are you able to sort of navigate that and still have a collaborative approach, but do it in this new world of, this new payer world that we live in?
3: If you want somebody who comes and wants to be a disruptor, you add them to your team, because then they learn that there's more to it than them. And we did have medical directors of third-party payers sitting in on our case conferences. We invited them and it was fascinating. They suddenly saw the light and it was an important step to make when you were trying to appeal to those disruptors. Plus, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I am don't give up.
2: You know,
1: Catherine, one of the things that you've got on the horizon, you're deeply involved in Behavioral Sleep Society. You know, that's an organization under your leadership that's really, really coming to its own, really a significant meeting coming up next month in Washington. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, in our last few minutes, the society, the meeting, the things that you have planned. There's a, There's a lot moving, a lot of spinning plates there.
3: Is and it's a lot of fun. The uh, Society of Sleep Medicine focuses on behavior and behavior component of successful therapy. We bridge the medical with the mental health, and so we're looking at it not from a pharmaceutical perspective, although it's not exclusive, leave uh, without, but we're looking at what are the therapies that can really alter the behavior to successfully manage sleep dysfunction. But we've also learned that a key component of that is access. We have a challenge with access to credential providers. This is why we stepped out and created, and are in the process of creating a credential for sleep coaching. This is meant to collaborate and augment the role of the CCSH. We cannot do it without. And as a result,
2: uh, there was no advanced
3: conference. So last year I decided there's a gap here. I'm gonna settle. it. And I launched, got my friends together and we had our first advanced CCSH conference last year. This year in November in DC, we are having our second. The advanced CCSH conference focuses on case conceptualization. In other words, let's take scenarios and let's define what are some of the therapeutic options. When do we call in our our physicians, the attendings? When do we call in psychology or maybe behavioral sleep medicine? It's not one or the other. It's all of us. And so this conference is meant to collaborate, and to bring together the different fields of discipline and disciplines. So we invite you to join us. It's going to be exciting and it's going to be challenging. But this is really how you function as a sleep coach, as a navigator, in the different disciplines, in the hospital, in the outpatient center, maybe in industry. And it is essential that we fill that gap. And I'm there to do it.
0: Well, Catherine, that was fascinating. And um, I think we barely scratched the surface of what you what you brought to the, the table and to the sleep table for that matter. But we are out of time. And we thank you so much for joining us. Is there some place that people can connect with you, uh, whether on LinkedIn or some other platform, if they have any questions?
3: Yeah, yeah I am on LinkedIn under the uh, Society of Behavioral Sleep Medicine. The board is behavioral at Venice that's another thing I do and I'm also um, I have an email that I'm very happy to um, respond to I'm at Kathine Hk at msn.com and I, you can always search me on Google because I do come up in a few places.
0: <laughs> All right well thank you so thank much you. Catherine. appreciate it and
2: pleasure.
0: Okay, thank you. All our listeners out there and viewers for joining us and uh, being with us during this time, and be sure to check out Catherine on Google. She will pop up a few places over there, and uh, we hope to see you all pop up next episode that's coming up soon. And until next time, we th- uh, we thank you and say lights on. Thank
3: you.
0: All right, folks. Before we move on to the next segment very quick message from our friends and sponsors 3b or rather react health they were formerly 3b medical for more information be sure to go to reacthealth.com or contact your local sales representative now back to the show all right guys uh post-show calibrations what do you guys think wow
1: crazy huh? wow absolutely everything i expected you know, like we talked about in, in the pre-show, it, it, there's so much we could learn from her. We need to have her back for very specific subjects because when you begin just hearing her career, oh my God, just in the beginning of what she did at Mayo Clinic to where she ended up there in Lexington, um, what a journey. And then what she's doing now, the behavioral sleep and the different societies she's involved in. And it's, it's such an amazing journey. It's such a lesson to all of us to keep her hand to the plow and an eye on the horizon she is definitely an example of that for all of us
0: so one of the things you said have her on for multiple topics one of the topics that we did not record but for those of you just let you know we talked a little bit about bourbon and i love whiskey so i would love to have that as one of the topics maybe we might do that absolutely (laughs) hey robert what do you what are you thinking sir
2: you know, uh, this is this is one time, and this is not no, not disrespectful to any guest that we've had on, but we we were guilty um, today on the podcast, and uh, you know, just someone who's so passionate, so articulate about, um, and, and really, uh, you know, I, I'm Mr. Inpatient Sleep Program, and, and talk about it all the time, and she had an inpatient program before I was born.
3: <laughs> so, you know, right. just.
2: Unbelievable, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. The, the one thing that she said I thought that was kind of interesting, too, is that if you Google her name, that usually something will pop up. I, I, I'm fearful of what might pop up if you Google any one of our three names. It might be some police report. That's
0: true. Uh, well, we were talking about off camera or rather off the record button. We were talking with Catherine about risk management because that's what she does. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. That may be uh, <laughs> that may be popping up for <laughs> <laughs>
1: <In terms of laughs> I know, right?
0: That. But you know, um, you're yeah, you're
1: right, though. She is, she's definitely sleep royalty. To, and it, it, we were really lucky to have her on. Um, you know, I, I think, it's, you know, one of the things that is exciting is what she's doing to promote the CCSH. You know, I know the three of us are passionate about that. And, you know, with her recognizing that it needed a next level attention to really expand the capability and this this coming meeting, there's a heavy emphasis on, on coaching, specifically even getting into the details of the coaching process. I've seen the agenda, I'm one of the speakers and lucky enough to be there, but you know, she definitely has an eye on the detail and where this credential you know, has the capability of going. And I, you know, for anyone that has a chance to come to Washington next month, I highly recommend you joining us for that conference. I think it's, it'll be definitely worth your time
0: and, and your investment awesome awesome um, while we're while we're still on here um, and we did mention bourbon I, I've got to ask you guys this how, how many uh, <laughs> you guys are already laughing but <laughs> how many jokes out there are uh, sorry um, uh, okay I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry how many how many bourbon jokes out there are corny
1: is that a texas thing i mean what
0: is that 51 percent if you nice <laughs> if you drink bourbon and you know about <laughs> bourbon you understood the joke then so yeah. i
2: got it i got it I, I thought you were about to make our our rating turn into like a, a pg-13 or an r
0: no no i won't go i won't go there i know
2: Thank you.
0: Extremely foul. And I was at Family the Carolina Sleep Society. Yeah, well, at the Carolina <laughs> Sleep Society, you called me out on something. So, but, uh, yeah, it is a Texas thing. Sorry about that. No. <laughs>
2: That's all right. Jerry was the first person to ever curse at a, at the Carolina Sleep Society. During the presentation. But he but he got everybody's attention.
1: Boss is hard.
0: <laughs>
2: and talk about talk
0: about it. we were talking about popping up for the wrong reasons on Google. So there you go. There you go. Hey guys, awesome. we thank you all for your absolutely. Don't forget to uh like, subscribe, share, do all the things and uh I guess, uh, you guys, anything else, gentlemen?
1: No, just thanks for their support. This is so lucky for everybody to be a part of this.
0: Same here. Same here. All right. So until next time, cheers, everybody.